I just saw on the calendar that right now on Earth, it's almost Christmas time. We don't have time for trivialities like Christmas. But Peter's so sad about Gamora being gone. Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy. Something special he will never forget. What about someone special? We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. I just said that, Drax. If your voice is small and mousy, I think maybe he didn't hear you. Ah! You're coming with us as a Christmas present. Ciao, people, and welcome to our 169th episode of Happiness in Darkness, the superhero movie podcast. Where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I am one of your co hosts, DJ Nick, and as always, joining me is my podcasting partner in crime, Mr. Keith Bliss. Hey, Keith, how's life treating you today? Oh, you know me. I can't complain. I live at the beach. It's a nice sunny day. It's 70 degrees in December and I'm wearing shorts. What could be better? Very nice. Very nice. So do you have like, you know, like, they have the whole tradition of the horrible Christmas jerseys. Do you have like horrible Christmas shorts? No, I, I have just plain old khaki colored shorts. I, I I have to wear them to a lot of different things. So I have to be, you know, relatively business presentable, especially when I'm working. So yeah, I have an ugly sweater somewhere. I have a couple ugly t-shirts, but no ugly shorts. That'll be next year. That's, that's my Christmas list. There you go. So we know what to get you for next Christmas. Indeed. Exactly. Because, because of course, today we are getting into the holiday season a little bit early, but I guess you know, it's the first, it's the beginning of December because we are discussing the guardians of the galaxy holiday special from 2022. This was directed and written by James Gunn, while the score was by John Murphy, and of course featured quite a few you know, songs from James, I'm sure, personal favorites, along of course with uh, others as well. So uh, getting to general impressions here, Keith, you know, I know you had a great time with Werewolf by Night, our Halloween special. What did you make of the holiday special? Oh, I know I'm going to get crap from everybody for this one, but I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there right now. I did not like it. Um, there was just so many continuity errors within the, the episode itself. Like the characters were out of character, no pun intended. You know, you have Mantis showing all these crazy range of emotions. She almost like borderline bipolar. Drax was, you know, just a little bit more crazier or out there than normal so everybody was it was like dialed up to 11 for the two of them which is very much out of character for the two of them they seem more composed most of the time than some of the other characters like rocket or groot but again there was just a lot of flaws in the the whole movie i know people are going to get on me for it i had it i will say, agree with you on something it did have a great soundtrack but that's kind of one of the few redeeming qualities you could be, we know, of course, that like uh, Quentin Tarantino, James Gunn is very good when it comes to, to soundtracks, uh, for sure. He definitely knows how to pick them, as they say. And I mean, I'm also though curious, are you the kind of guy who enjoys even, you know, holiday themed movies or are the kind of thing you kind of steer away from, you know, as, you know, Christmas draws closer and closer? 
in my house, we go through the tradition of watching Halloween movies during Halloween, Christmas movies during Christmas. We've been watching Christmas movies on and off for, I don't know, about a week now. Uh, my girlfriend loves them. Her kids love them. So we, I do watch them. I enjoy certain Christmas movies more than others. But, you know, this was just a weird anomaly Christmas movie. I'd rather watch Die Hard. And that's not even really a Christmas movie over this movie. And again, I'm going to get so much flack from all of our listeners, but I'm fine with that. Well, everybody's entitled to, to their opinion. It is a free country. I mean, I was curious when I actually sat down to watch this because I thought to myself, you know, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I know of that horrendous Christmas special they did. And so I thought to myself, maybe this might be James Gunn wanting to poke, uh, you know, something at the at the Star Wars Christmas special. But I guess once again, Star Wars now being owned by Disney, maybe not. And that, in fact, was not the case. But it was, I think, very much in keeping with the Guardian's comedic side of things, you know, bearing in mind the last two movies, the first, the, the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies we've had, and of course, their brief appearance on Thor Love and Thunder. So, I mean, all in all, I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I enjoyed it for what we got. Of course, we got a big reveal, which of course we'll talk about. And, uh, you know, by and large, I think the characters realized, I think what was great is it gave certain characters maybe more of a spotlight compared to in other situations when you might be focusing on other characters. Place in point, uh, Mantis, I think, definitely gets a huge spotlight when it comes to this, this particular special. And, uh, you know, yeah, I guess it was a bit, um, you're dealing with so many characters, I guess, you kind of have to sacrifice them, not to mention, I believe this special is like, what, 40 minutes long, if that? So... You can't. You kind of can't give everybody something to do, or rather, time to, enough time to shine in forty minutes because we barely got much from Groot. We barely got much from Rocket, and the heck, uh, e even um, Nebula hardly got anything at all. So I guess it was the focus. It was on these three, but all in all, I thought it was it was serviceable. It was good. I enjoyed. I might rewatch it. Uh, I don't. I possibly. And I also thought that, um, <clears throat> like I said, it made me go back to pulling out my Pogues albums and listening to those. I'm like, oh, it's been a while since I've listened to the Pogues. Why not? Why not pop some on? And which I did. So uh, let's start off here by looking at our two characters who decide to kidnap Kevin Bacon, of all people, and bring him to Quill as a Christmas present. We have, of course, Pom Clementif as Mantis and Dave Batista as Drax. So, uh, Keith, what did you make of uh, you know, these two getting most of the, of the spotlight and uh, this crazy idea that they go on? I, I appreciate, you know... Uh -huh. Gun focusing on some of the other characters in Guardians of the Galaxy because you know you go back and watch the first movie and it's like oh it's Rocket and Groot Rocket and Groot and same thing with kind of the second one it's like it's Peter Rocket and Groot Rocket and Groot and so on and so forth so it's kind of like the the bonus episode you get on some of these uh, DVDs or Blu-rays where you're like oh we have this bonus director or something that's kind of what this felt like it wasn't like a full blown great idea but it it is what it is I liked that we got to see them kind of stretch your legs literally and figuratively um there were some weird things that kind of just caught my attention you know the beginning is the two of them are hatching this plan like oh we're gonna get kevin bacon because he's this great hero they go to earth they do all the dumb stuff and p.s i love the fact that GoBots are now in the marvel universe because that cracked me up so hard i was laughing um 
but I'm, you know, I'm a GoBot Transformers kid, so I get it. And not everybody else is going to appreciate that joke. You, you see scenes where they have their crap together, like where they're at Kevin Bacon's house, where they're, you can obviously tell that there's a disconnect because they're from another planet and she's ringing the doorbell and they're going back and forth, back and forth. And she turns and goes to Drax like, hey, can you toss me? And before she can finish the sentence, she, he, Drax throws her over the gate. And then she yells at him, which is, again is a little bit out of character. You don't see her kind of lose her crap, for lack of a better term, often. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but again, it's not something that's common for them. And then Drax jumps over it, which is cool because it shows that he is a super strong character. And granted, that is mostly due to the fact that he's born in outer space and all the different gravities on different planets and so on and so forth. But it's great they finally get to show you that because you don't see that in a lot of the other movies. Yes, you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he's attacking that giant, whatever the hell, space worm or whatever the hell it is. And you see him, you know, kind of kicking butt. But again, everybody's doing the same thing. So you don't realize he's that much stronger. But then at the same time, two scenes later, you see them both jumping over a fence like it's not a big deal. So it's like. How was Mantis able to do that then, but not two seconds ago when they get to his house? Um, and then things like Mantis not using her powers as much as she could. She compelled somebody to give her all their money and a, a map of the stars. She literally could have do that, done that two seconds ago when they landed in California to be like, hey, how do I find Kevin Bacon? They waited until they went through this entire basically day's worth of activities and she's hungover because what does everybody do on vacation? Get hammered drunk. So she finally uses her powers and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. I can do things like this. And you're like, where the hell was this 20 minutes ago? Or, you know, when they got to the bar, literally when the first time they landed, because none of the, half this adventure wouldn't have happened. Um, and then the realization after they've kidnapped um, Kevin Bacon, that he's just a movie star. Somehow that did not dawn on them at any point from leaving nowhere to getting to Earth. That did not cross their mind. It wasn't until they spoke to him for 20 minutes or whatever the duration of it takes to get from Earth to back to nowhere that they realized that he's just a movie star, which made me laugh because they are movie stars themselves and they just had so much fun poking fun at the fact movie stars suck and then you know mantis doing the whole puking and everything i i did get a good chuckle out of bits of the the movie but you know all in all it had its ups and it had its downs the the two of them had their ups and downs i should say Mm, no, I hear you. I, I definitely think that uh, that uh, James Gunn is good when it comes to also writing dialogue, because by and large, I think the dialogue was also pretty snappy and pretty fun, as we had, of course, also seen in the two Guardians movies and what have you. And it's true. I was kind of surprised that, uh, you know, we actually got some anger bursts from Mantis because we've always known her as being so sort of serene and quiet and demure and very sort of almost almost zen, if you will. She's very much like that kind of zen person who just doesn't quarrel, doesn't believe in quarreling, is just very peaceful. And here we literally see her yelling at Drax and yelling at Kevin Bacon. And so I guess it's either the fact that maybe Gunn wanted to show us that 
even somebody as serene and as peaceful as Mantis does can also, you know, lose her crap and start yelling at people. I mean, I, I, I can see why, you know, you were mentioned that it might throw you off when you've always been used to seeing her being so, you know, like I said, almost, a, you know, priestly, if you will, or, or, or just very sort of serene and just see her break out into this craziness. But I guess that maybe was what they were trying to do. And also, I guess you really appreciate how much she's devoted to Peter, because, of course, we find out in this particular special that, hello, Mantis and Peter are related or should we say are half siblings, because, of course, they share the same father, which are like, whoa. So I guess she's even more compelled to want to do something special for her half brother. And I guess also because of all the, 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 the sad story that uh, she was told about how Yondu was awful to Peter when it came to Christmas. Granted, we don't get, we don't get to hear the rest of the story until the end credit scene. But uh, I mean, I think as a pair, they were fun to watch, but I can see why sometimes maybe it went too, got too goofy. I mean, I tried to remind myself this is Guardians of the Galaxy and is James Gunn, and we've seen them do some pretty ridiculous things before. And that's what a lot of people, I guess, are there for. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, our mutual friend, Greg Vorob, his favorite franchise in the MCU is Guardians of the Galaxy, because as we know, he's a big comic buff, uh, you know, com comedy buff. And so he loves... He loved this franchise in particular because of all the comedy. I, I think that Dave Batista and Pom work together as a couple, you know, as just as a pair, a pairing off and doing these crazy things and getting to you know, visit Earth and such. But I guess the whole team was in on it, other than Peter, right? Because I mean, the fact they just take the ship and or a ship and fly off to Earth, either Peter was just busy doing other crap on nowhere didn't even realize or i'm assuming the rest of the team was in on them going to earth right maybe you don't know i guess they would have to be because at the end of the movie or episode or whatever you want to call it, the special the whole nowhere is decorated in christmas ornaments and all this stuff and somehow again peter is completely oblivious to all of this that they put all these lights up the christmas decorations snow machine the whole nine yards without him catching on so I guess there had to be some sort of collusion with everybody else. But again, out of the whole team, they're like, yeah, we're going to send you two. Like, all right. You think Nebula and somebody would have like, let's be the voice of reason or adult exactly. supervision. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, because they are the most childlike of them all. I mean, you very much see them as being literally like kids in a candy store. And just I, I get the fact they've never been to Earth. But, well, they've been to Earth before, of course, when it came to uh, Infinity War and everything else. So they have been on Earth before. But um, I guess they haven't had the chance to just run wild and free, you know, along the, in the streets of Los Angeles. And so I guess they just totally go to town with it. I guess it's like you, you start this, to discover new things. What are you going to do? You're going to just do the randomest things like Drax beating up a, a guy dressed up as a gobot or Mantis seeing a guy dressed as Captain America and, and leaping into his arms yelling, Steve. You know, so I guess you'll have all these kind of things happen. But um, I, I wonder whether in the long run, it will even, shall we say, um, play a part at all in the grander scheme of things of uh, two aliens happen to pass by in Los Angeles and such. Or it might be because, you know, the, the MCU sometimes does this. They might then do a callback like Mantis and Drax in that time we went to get Peter Kevin Bacon or something. I wonder whether they'll do that or whether other members of the Avengers, uh, you know, had any sort of inkling about this because we did see the the ship not being cloaked for the most part because drax like totally forgot to cloak the the, the 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 ship so you have to think that somebody must have seen the ship in the air 
You'd hope so. I mean, like you said, there's there's people on their phones taking pictures of the ship, which I don't understand why they're stunned at this point because they've already, you know, had the blip. They've posted the blip. They've had, you know, New York City's been blown up 40 times at this point. You know, New Jersey's a crater. And yet California, they're like, holy cow, they literally have Ant-Man, you know, and yeah. Ant-Man and Giant-Man and buildings blown up and shrinking, giant critters and whatnot. That's okay. But they see a spaceship and people freak out. So I don't, I don't know. I hope there's a callback. I, I hope... Uh, the scene in the bar where they're sitting there and there's a guy um, with the Christmas hat, the Santa hat standing next to Drax and he's drinking and kind of gives him like the side eye, like he knows what's going on. I hope he pops back up in another movie just to be like, yeah, I'm really Santa Claus or I'm like an alien just like you. I just want him to be somewhere else in the MCU just to pop up like he's really this crazy badass character like the Beyonder or something because he just seemed like he knew too much in the bar. Because he's sitting there, Drax, he's watching him drink, and he's kind of giving him the, like, I know who you are look, but he doesn't say anything. Again, I hope that's another one of those callbacks. I hope you see him again. Oh, I hope so, too. And I was actually happy that we got this little moment of Mantis, you know, telling Peter that she was his half-sister and they are related and such. And I guess at the end of the day, the big present is, of course, the fact that Peter is not alone in the universe. He does have family, though. Like you even mentioned off air, knowing the fact that Ego had been to so many planets, there, he probably has other siblings around, at least those who, that survived, I guess. But because we know that a lot of them obviously perished. But, uh, um, you know, you do wonder where they are. He does have other siblings around. So I did like that that was the, the big reveal of this special was that, hey, Mantis and Peter are related. What did you make of that moment? Were you happy with it? Uh, yeah, what did you think? I, I liked it. I actually would have preferred it in regular Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, movie time, you know, during like part three, just because I feel like it would work better in the runtime opposed to like, I saved this for Christmas kind of scenario when she has the realization, then it would also would have helped that how Drax figured it out because again, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he knew. So somehow she figured it out, said something, he heard it. So that portion of the story could be explored a little bit more. Um, I, I like the fact because you could see Peter was so moved by that because he always thought he was an only child. And obviously his all his parents have passed away. His Any family he might have left is on Earth. So to know that you have a half-sister that's here running around the galaxy with you could cheer you up, especially since your girlfriend has been killed and resurrected sort of, but she's from a different timeline. So I, I think that will help him because you can see in the beginning of the movie that he has a lot going on. He looks emotionally kind of detached and or depressed because of obviously Gamora. Um, So this definitely helped raise his spirits. I definitely think so too. So yeah, you know, by and large, going back to, uh, you know, um, uh, Mantis and Drax, I was, I was happy with them for the most part. As I said, I can see how some people, you know, like yourself might've had grievances, I mean, coming even off something like Thor, Love and Thunder, which I know a lot of people had so much issue with because like this is insanely comedic compared to what it, what they've done. And it, one could almost maybe get the impression that, that James Gunn is also amping the comedic stuff to 11 compared to Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. And here it's like very much full blown. In fact, another you know, mutual friend of ours, Charles Skaggs, told me he, in his mind, it literally takes 
all the the elements that so many people love about this franchise in particular and literally gives you just that it's just literally all the comedic stuff and the the guardians or at least two of them in particular getting up to this crazy antic so i can see that so let's then get to the present himself and the recipient of said present we have kevin bacon playing himself of course and mr chris pratt reprising his role as peter quill star lord so yeah what you know since you know kevin bacon had been mentioned in previous guardians movies and such keith what did you make of kevin bacon actually being the present and how peter took everything i, I like the fact that he was the present <laughs> again with mantis and drax saying like hey let's do something to cheer him up and this is the harebrained idea that they had it's very much the mentality of a little kid. Like, you know, when you're, if you have children and they're five or six and you're like, Oh, what do you want to get mom or dad for Christmas? And they're like, I want to get him a draft. This is the equivalent of getting him a draft or a pony. Um, Kevin Bacon, he took it in stride. I like how he did have that little breakdown in this ship, but Mantis using her powers of persuasion kind of tweaked this personality to the point where he was very receptive. Hell, they got him to climb into a box with apparently no holes, and he was suffocating slowly. The shocked look on Peter's face was, again, another one of those priceless moments. Like Because you don't... He's like, well, what's in the box? And it always reminds me of um, Brad Pitt in Seven, where he's like, what's in the box? I'm, I'm just... That is the dumbest thing of any movie that it was always going to be stuck in my head. But he opens it and freaks out. And then Kevin Bacon's freaking out. So they're both having this freak out moment and they have to go talk him off the ledge, basically. And they explain to him what's going on. And then Kevin's character, you know, he comes to the realization that, okay, we need to do something to cheer Peter up. P.S. He's going to have one hell of a phone bill because he is on nowhere, which is a bajillion galaxy miles away. And his phone rings. And I kind of chuckled too. I did the same thing he did. Like, what the hell? So I appreciated that as like just a little gag because he talked to his wife literally the day before and she comes home and he's not there. And he's like, well, honey, I'm, I got, I got to do this thing, but I'll be home. So I, I like how he kind of um, was like the Christmas spirit essentially in person form. Now, do I like the fact that he sang? Well, you know, I'm not a big Kevin Bacon fan as a singer. I'm more of a Kevin Bacon fan as an actor. So I'll leave that as it is. It was a Kevin Bacon song and it is what it is. I agree. I mean, I have to admit, I had never heard Kevin Bacon sing. I mean, I know he's one of those actors that have bands as a side gig. I mean, I know Russell Crowe is another one and Keanu Reeves and a couple of others literally have bands and they, they kind of tour. And I know that Kevin Bacon was actually touring quite a bit in between acting and such. And uh, actually quite a bit on the country music circuit as well, interestingly enough. I know he was recently in Nashville doing some shows and such and does this kind of mix of country rock, which is an interesting choice for, for him. But uh, I was actually, I was like, wow, you know, he can, he can carry a tune. It's not bad. I mean, I don't see myself downloading his entire catalog on Spotify or anything like that. But I'm like, yeah, he's not half bad. The song's okay. The song's cool. Um, but yeah, I think he very much uh, obviously plays himself here. And uh, I just, I, I'm a big Kevin Bacon fan as an actor in general. I've seen him in so many things, you know, from very serious thriller-like stuff to, to, you know, more, 
you know, lighthearted stuff like Footloose. I actually re uh, recently rewatched Footloose because I kept thinking to myself, I saw it as a kid. It's constantly talked about in Guardians of the Galaxy and everything else. And I rewatched Footloose and he's a, also a fantastic dancer as well. So I will give him that. I mean, the man has moves. So it was cool to see him kind of like totally freak out at first. And then afterwards, like, I have to do something special because it's Christmas. And so it's cool when I'll write a song in like two minutes and uh, the, 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 the band of aliens will learn it and we'll just do it. And so I thought it was great. That, that, and I love that now the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise has a band or rather nowhere it has a band. And I wonder where they might reappear because we, do we did have the uh, Bon Jovi tribute band in um, uh, what was Miss Marvel. Uh, of course, the oh, brown yeah, right. we had Brown Jovi, and here we have, you know, a, a Nowhere band. So that was kind of cool. Chris Pratt, I mean, he didn't really get too much. I mean, other than, you know, kind of playing sad, uh, bereft uh, Peter Quill, and then suddenly, oh, my God, you know, what did you guys do? And it still very much continues the dynamic of him babysitting his the rest of his team, especially when it comes to Mantis and Drax. And, and I did love the fact where he's like, don't run. I'm going to let you go, but just don't run. <laughs> and off Kevin goes. And so they're chasing him all over the place. But I think he, at the end of the day, appreciate the gesture. It was cool that you got the music. And then, of course, the big moment where Mantis tells him that she's his, that they're related and they have the big hug. So that was sweet. I also did like, granted it's not played by Chris Pratt, I did like the flashbacks. Because I think we should actually address this as well of you know, Chris, uh, um, Peter, Peter celebrating Christmas with Yondu and then getting the reveal that Yondu gave him the guns as a present. What did you make of, uh, of the, those flashbacks and the animation style they used? The, the animation style was very reminiscent of uh, 80s types of cartoons like, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on them right now. That's ter terrible. Lord of the Rings, they had that. The Hobbit, they had that very similar type of artistic style way the heck back when. That was a, a popular type of style. Heck, that was even in like Creep Show and Tales from the Crypt when they did some of the flashbacks. I was very confused initially, but I get it made sense for timing and, you know, all the other stuff because you'd have to cast a kid and do all this extra setup and blah, blah, blah. So it was a nice little filler instead of having to go shoot the whole thing or make it CGI. They're like, Oh, we're just made a cartoon and make it a flashback. And I do like how, you know, in the beginning you think Yondu's is complete ass, you know, disregarding the whole holiday and, you know, making fun of Peter and everything and blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, you see him open the present that Peter gave him. And that's that little bobble thing that's on his dashboard during the movies. And you're like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Then Peter turns around and opens the box and that's where he got the handguns. So it really starts to show you the father son dynamic between the two of them, because they've kind of had that weird father son dynamic through the guardians of the galaxies, but nobody really ever said anything. They just, it was like that unspoken you as a person watching the movies observed it, but not necessarily people within the Guardians of the Galaxy universe observed it or said anything about it. Um, so I, I like the fact that they brought it up and they really kind of showed you where it came from, especially it makes it Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where, you know, Yondu loses his life. It makes it that much more um, meaningful because Peter has really lost all of his love quote unquote loved ones because that's basically his father and then his girlfriend 
you know, has killed by the worst monster in the universe. So he, I, I liked it. It, it, it kind of, it, it flushed out his character a little bit more because a lot of times you see him, he's the, the village idiot, but then he turns around and he does some really um, adult, grown up, intelligent things like the whole Kevin Bacon thing. Like, I'm going to let you go. Don't run. And then he runs and they're like, all right, come on, guys. We got to go, you know, stop him from doing something stupid. And, you know, he, again, becomes the adult supervision. So I kind of like that. Mm, me too. And I will say it's always wonderful to have Michael Rooker back since, you know, Yondu is dead at this point. But it was great that they brought Michael Rooker back to voice Yondu because, you know, I, he's another actor that I absolutely love and I know has worked a lot with James Gunn in the past. And so, and he is the voice of Yondu. I mean, I cannot see anybody else voicing the character or playing the character the way Michael Rooker does because he just has that very distinct voice and that very sort of particular voice that we've, you know, grown to love when it when it comes to this particular character, I'm like, yay, at least they gave Michael Rooker a chance to come back and play this character again, albeit in as a voiceover or just in uh, should we say as voice. But that was that was cool. Also, there was something else that I that I think we should also address because we kind of also get um more of a new member of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, at least in this, which is Cosmo, which we had of course seen previously, but had, hadn't really done much. And, you know, I know that you're, of course, like myself, are familiar with the comics and such. Um, moving forward, do you want to see more of Cosmo? Were you happy the way Cosmo was done in this particular special? The only thing that I found weird, I loved Cosmo. I, I thought it was great that they brought him in because you saw him in, you know, the collector and all that fun stuff. And he was a dog that the Russians shot into space and gained superpowers. He has telekinesis. And I, I like that. You know, it's it's a cute, one of those dumb, superpowered animal kind of scenarios. It's the next best thing to Rocket, who was experimented on by the, the, the high evolutionary. I hope they have him more. He was originally the security of nowhere. So even if they, you know, work him in as more of the security, the one thing I thought was a little odd was his voice or her voice. Cause again, it's hard to tell. It was a very childish and it just, I was, I don't know why my brain, but I expected a little bit older of a character because it's a grown up golden retriever. So I expected adult voice, not kid voice. Why, I don't know, but that was just a weird thing in my head. I kind of agree. At first, it kind of threw me off a little as well. It was kind of like, it made me almost think of Up, when uh, you have the, the dogs being voiced, especially when it comes to the Doberman, but first has the squeaky voice because obviously they're, they're, they're should we say the voice modulator is kind of on the fritz. And so mm -hmm. they have like the villain in, the, in, the, in Up you know, literally having the, the the weird squeaky voice. So it was almost that disconnect, if you will, but when it came to hearing Cosmo. And the person's like, okay, what am I listening to exactly? What am I hearing here exactly? I mean, I got, obviously, you have to have the Russian accent because, of course, Cosmo was a, a Russian dog. But uh, I, it took some getting used to. But I do think it will probably be a very pleasant addition to the team if, of course, it's you know he makes an appearance in the third Guardians movie, which I assume he will do. But yeah, it was great. And also knowing this character from the comics, I'm like, oh, it's cool that uh, he wasn't just a cameo like Howard the Duck, which I hope at some point they'll bring in after his brief cameo once again in, the, I believe, it was Guardians 2, I think it was, or the first. I think it was the first one, actually. First, first one. one. It's the bonus yeah. scene. 
Yeah, exactly. And so I hope they maybe bring Howard the Duck in as well, because it'd be kind of cool. I mean, plus, I miss Howard the Duck. I mean, they they did him such an injustice with that that movie from the 80s. So I'm actually hoping that they give Howard a second lease on life. But no, I was happy with Cosmo. And the other great big reveal we got, which, um, you know, once again, happened off camera. Like, you know, you and I talked about the fact of um, Mantis telling Drax that she was related to Peter is so they bought nowhere from um who was it now the collector. Um, the collector so i'm like wow how did that happen how what the, how did they pay for it do we and they know? Said it known so nonchalantly they're like oh yeah ever since we bought you know nowhere where the hell did you get that kind of money like i'm with you i want to know where they come with the bajillions of dollars or whatever the hell amount of money maybe he sold it to him because they saved his life i don't know but i'm very curious like, where did he go and where's all his shit? Like, that's another question that I'm curious about. Yeah, but the did... good. Or, or the fact that they were talking about how it's not habitable and yet they're all standing there, like walking, talking, doing crap, like it's no big deal. And they're like, we need to fix this place up, but you're living there. Like, you know, I get it's the whole dilapidated house and you're living in the dilapidated house while you're still there, but you know, it was weird and like a random. I'm glad you pointed, you caught that too, because that was like one of those weird things. I'm like, what? Where? How? All right. Yeah, because as you said, they said it very sort of, very much like an almost an offhand comment, like you know, don't pay attention to the fact that uh, apparently the guardians literally bought uh, nowhere from the collector because, I mean, unless they gave him something of an exceedingly rare value in exchange for a planet, pretty much. It's like I mean, or I don't know if they had a bajillion credits, which I guess is what they the the money they use in space. So I don't know where they had a bajillion credits. I doubt it, but I guess they might. They, they must have given him something really valuable. Like you said, you know, either he they saved his life uh, or something to that matter. Of you know, uh, what can I give you? Uh, I know I'll give you nowhere. You know, it's like wow. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm with you. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll again. It's one of those they'll address in part three. Like, yeah. oh, wow, what do you, how'd you guys get this? Oh, we wanted a poker game. Like, something really dumb. I feel like with the Guardians, it's going to be really silly. Like, it's going to be a poker game or, you know, oh, because you got my cat out of a tree, I'm going to sell it to you for like 10 bucks. Or he's just bored with it and he moved on to somewhere else and he just wanted to get rid of it. Mm, no, exactly. I guess it, it sort of remains to be seen. And, you know, moving, of course, uh, from this holiday special, um, Keith, uh, what do you sort of expect at this point when it comes to Guardians 3? Do you think this is kind of just maybe almost an isolated thing? Or do you think we'll m most likely be getting more of this kind of style in the third movie? I think it's going to be a 50-50. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, we have old Gamora and she is still very hard, rigid, and she's out of place now. She realizes that it's not whatever it was 2014 or whatever year it was when she came from it's now 20 years later and all the stuff that she thought she knew was complete garbage because she's seen the ramifications of Thanos's grand plan um so and she also hasn't had those adventures and experiences with Peter and the gang so i think it'll be kind of abrasive at the beginning but Peter being Peter, he'll try to make, you know, jokes and break the ice with his sarcasm. So I think it, it could kind of go both ways. My question to you is, what do we think Groot's going to look like in Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Because he was one jacked up tree 
in this movie. I was like, what the hell happened, Groose? <laughs> like, if, and again, when you guys watch this, if you haven't watched it yet, the last time we saw Groot, he's what this scrawny little teenage tree. You see him in, in the Christmas special, and he is just jacked. He is like incredible Hulk size, and he's got the deeper voice. Like, he's clearly, I don't know, maybe late teens, early 20s for him. I, I, again, we don't know how the trees age, but. He is a brick shit house. He is like Drax looking. And I'm like, how, how did we get here? Again, these are like inquiring minds want to know. Like the dumb stuff that probably there's like, oh, we're just going to gloss over this. Nobody's going to even care. Is That's the stuff that, you know, I want to know about. Like, why is Groot the size of a house? I want to know too, because I believe the last time we saw him in Thor Love and Thunder, he was still, I believe, the scrawny teenage Groot, if, if memory serves. I mean, I know we barely got to see him. I mean, unless he was working out with Thor, and I guess that, that's what you, what you get for, work, for, you know, doing leg day with Thor. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, or, or he took uh, he took Thor's training to heart because obviously we've got to see Thor train super hard in in Thor: Love and Thunder. So, but yeah, once again, when when they leave and they hop on the Milano and leave, I, I do recall that Groot is still a scrawny teenager. But like, what the heck happened there? I mean, he was really roided out. So I'm like, I don't know if they have like steroids for trees or something. But yeah, he was he was. He was he was buff, man. I was like, wow, that what what happened there? I mean, unless it's the mid stage between becoming, you know, the tall usual group that we first saw in in Guardians One, or as I said, the guy's just been you know going hitting the gym really really hard, and that's what you get. But yeah, I was I was pretty I was I was like that's a, that's a pretty interesting uh, interesting change in group's yeah. physical appearance. But <laughs> I guess we'll buy it. Um, I mean, my one kind of regret here, if you will, is that Rocket didn't get, you know, too much. I mean, because I'm a big Rocket fan. I, I absolutely love the way the characters has, we've seen in the MCU thus far. But I guess it's like Gunn wanted to really sort of focus on, like we mentioned at the top of this review, maybe those who don't get as much of a spotlight like Drax and especially Mantis. A lot of people actually, I believe, complained when Volume 2, when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out that Mantis wasn't given enough. And maybe this was kind of James saying, I'll give her something more. We'll give you this. And so, you know, we'll give her, allow her character to develop more. And I wonder whether we might see more specials, but it's hard to say. Um, like, you know, because you did hear Kevin Bacon mention, I'll see you at Easter. It's like, are we getting an Easter special? <laughs> That'd be a hell of a callback. Like they, we actually get an Easter special. I, I'd be mad, but kind of like, I want to see what happens. It'd be funnier if like, he meets the Avengers or, you know, the Thunderbolts or somebody else, like literally anybody else. If he somehow gets like the new Stan Lee of the MCU, which will be amazing if they somehow work Kevin Bacon into it, just because, you know, there's that, you know, growing up, we always had that six degrees of Kevin Bacon joke. You know, you could, you know, every actor is connected to Kevin Bacon by, you know, six associations or six movies that he or she has done. So that would be amazing if somehow weirdly, but then, you know, people are going to go like, well, Kevin Bacon was in the movie with you know Robert Downey Jr. in 1984 and blah, 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 blah. You know, then it breaks continuity, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world. Um, I think with the Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they're trying to focus more on Rocket's origin. So while you're going to have, you know, the infamous Marvel 27 stories going on at one time, I, I think... That's going to be a big part of the third is 
we're, they're going to focus on Rocket's origins because everybody's so curious about, well, why is Rocket the only Rocket? You know, why is there nobody else in the universe like this character? I agree. Well, I mean, uh, I will actually say that that uh, when if you actually go and read the Rocket Raccoon origin story, it is really messed up. I mean, uh-huh. the, the clowns from space, and uh, that was such a weird, weird story. I was like, okay, let's read this. I'm like, what the hell am I reading? I mean, were these guys on crack when they wrote this? Because <laughs> like, it was really, really weird. But no, I guess if you um, you know, you say that that's what the, that they plan to do, and apparently. After the third film, Gunn is apparently done with the franchise. I suppose now that he's working at Warner, we'll see how long that lasts. But apparently now since he's working at Warner, he might not have the time to focus on other things since he's like going to literally be the director of all the all the stuff when it comes to DC. So I think apparently, or at least what people are saying is Guardians 3 will be his swan song when it comes to uh, to the MCU. But it remains to be seen. So uh, anything else on this um, special, Keith? Well, I heard, since we're talking about the swan song, I heard Drax or Batista is not coming back after this movie. Same thing with Gamora. I don't know about Peter's character, but a couple of them, they're just done. I guess Rocket, you could always bring back because he's CGI and same thing with Groot. But the the live action portion of it, they're, they've said that they're contractually done you know obviously that can always change but as of right now i think this will be the last the swan song for a bunch of them i think so too and also i believe zoe saldana they actually asked her and she said if if the guardians 3 was to be my last movie in the mcu i'd be fine with that so maybe also she is maybe getting a little bit tired of playing this character and wants to move on to other things. I mean, I can't blame her. I mean, she's been great. If she goes, it'll be a shame, but I can see why others might be like, okay, we've, we've done, we've paid our dues and we've done what we had to do. We're out of here. Apparently, like you mentioned, yeah, Batista was saying that it's really getting hard for him to keep up that physique. He said that oh, he's getting yeah. old. He says he's getting older and he says like, it's really taking a toll on him, keeping up the Drax body. So I can't blame for like, yeah, I want to chill now, guys. I'm done with the, the whole Avenger gym stuff. I can't do it anymore. But, you know, I, you forget some people don't realize how old Dave Batista is. So I totally get that. You know, he was born in 1969. So I mean, yeah. he's for the, his age. He's in some amazing shape. So I get it. He's, you know, tired for a lack of a better term. And it, that takes he probably spends that much more time in the gym than anybody else has to like, you know, Chris Pratt or the other Chris or, you know, Hemsworth and all those guys, they still have to hit the gym, but he probably has to hit it that much harder. So, you know, we'll see. It's fair enough. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anything else on this uh, special Keith before we get to ratings? No, I think I'm good. Said, well, I think same here. I wonder whether, you know, these will just be one softs or whether next year rolls around. We'll have other, themed specials i mean i wouldn't mind if we've got another halloween special because of course folks can go and listen to our thoughts on werewolf by night and what we thought of that one but uh, you know i wonder where at this point uh they'll be like oh we'll give you an easter special we'll give you another halloween special give you another holiday special it'll be interesting to see i guess now that bob Iger has come uh come on board or back to disney where that's what they're going to do or where they're going to cut back on specials and what have you saying Less content, because at the same time, I mean, I don't want to go down too long of a parenthesis here. A lot of people have complained that we're getting too much Marvel content. Do you agree with that? I can, for the reason that they're going for quantity, not necessarily quality. You know, we've seen some, you know, missteps recently with someone like Love and Thunder. That was, I think, one of the lowest 
box office uh, movies that they've had in a long time. While they can say that the same thing about Doctor Strange being a, a low performer, it still did better than Love and Thunder. And even Doctor Strange was a little bit of a, a struggle movie just because it should have really been um, the Scarlet Witch and not him. So I, I could see them pulling back a little bit and going back to the original time where they did fewer movies, but they were better, you know, with the Iron Man's, the Captain America's, heck, even the Avengers movies, they were better when there were fewer, you know, now you're trying to kill me with like 47 different TV shows. And you're like, you got to watch all these shows because it's sort of like the comic books. You got The main story is five issues, but you got to get all 482 tie-in issues to really know what's going on because they're going to make some obscure reference to a panel on page 14 of issue nine of whatever the hell comic book you didn't know existed. And that's kind of the same thing. They're kind of going down that rabbit hole with this where, you know, they're going to make some reference to She-Hulk episode three or something like that. And if you've never seen She-Hulk, you're going to be like, the hell is this or who is that character or what's going on heck even you know um hawkeye they, they can make some reference to some character in there because there were so many c and d level characters in there that you know you're gonna get fatigue and you know people who read comic books have the same issue they get the i don't want to buy 400 issues just to get the main story no, I agree. And I know that a lot of people have been complaining, like you mentioned, of uh, superhero fatigue. And I guess, uh, yeah, maybe, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I don't mind, you know, having all these TV shows, but I get that they can weigh on people in the, in the, in the interim also, because, I mean, unless that's all you watch, as in you only watch superhero movies and the, the TV shows, okay, but I'm sure that most people, you know, or a large, a large quantity of people watch other things as well. And I mean, maybe it's me that can only keep so much stuff in my brain, but I'm thinking to myself is, will you even remember all this stuff in a year's time? Like you said, where if, we're, you know, Avengers rolls around, they say, oh, like, uh, like uh, She-Hulk and I did and stuff. It's like, oh yeah. And you like, you, you totally forget your minds are blank because, you know, you can only store so much stuff in your head unless, like I said, you know, you watch these constantly and that's all you watch. I get it. But it's hard. I mean, I'm 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 talking for myself here, but one to remember every single thing that happened, you know, in the past. If you know, you only watch it once, you don't go back to rewatch it. But you know, I uh, I guess we'll see. I don't I don't want to have to watch the entire Phase Four again just to watch Avengers, you know, when it comes out, whatever year it's coming out, or whatever the next big story arc is. I don't want to have to watch that entire thing all over again because they might make reference. I'm with you. Uh, I have very limited storage capacity in this old brain of mine. Uh, I've read many comic books. I've watched many TV shows. At this point, it's all starting to swim around in a big puddle. Yeah, same here. So I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see where they go from here because there's quite a quite the packed 2023 uh, around the corner as well. So I guess then let's get to ratings. Then Keith, what do you give this holiday special out of ten? <sighs> I knew you were going to ask me this question. You always <laughs> ask me this question, of course. I know it's not like it's a surprise ever, but I think there's there's enough saving graces in this, especially with the Kevin Bacon, the soundtrack, because you always get me thinking about the soundtrack because we always talk about it. Um, I, I think I may actually have to give it a passing grade of uh, I'll give it a five and a half, five point five. 
Okay, well, I mean, uh, very strict there. I will give it, but fair enough. I'll give. I'm actually going to go, um, uh, you know, surprisingly high. I'm actually going to give this a seven and a half out of ten, as uh, I guess the Pogues won me over. Uh, I suppose because I was singing, you know, um, uh, New York fairy tale constantly as as the the credits were rolling. I'm like, yeah, it made me feel happy. I suppose also because I'd watched some rather depressing movies prior to putting this on. So like. Ah, oh, life is good. There is some levity in this world. I mean, I just come off watching Winter's Bone. And folks, Oof. if you want to be depressed, watch Winter's Bone because it's a brilliant movie, but it's a downer. And so right after yes, and so right after Winter's Bone, I watched this. So obviously I was like, oh, I feel so warm and fuzzy inside. This makes me happy. So I, I will thank James Gunn for that. So I will give him a seven and a half out of ten. So as we got yelled at for recommendations, Keith, is that <laughs> our, our longtime listener, Rook, obviously yelled at us for, for stopping the recommendation. So was there anything you'd like to recommend you know, for those who watched this and might, enjoy, might have enjoyed it? See, it's hard for the Christmas special because it's so it's such a niche that um, they've had some Avengers cartoons and Spider-Man has had a couple of animated Christmas episodes that are fairly well. So I, I think people should check out the Marvel animated universe Christmas episodes because some of them are done very well. And they're same thing with this. They're very lighthearted and very jovial, you know, especially the, the Spider-Man uh, episodes. I totally agree. I think those are those are, that, that's a great place to go because I was actually kind of searching in the comics. It seemed like DC did more of the comic of the Christmas stuff than Marvel did. I mean, there have been some Christmas issues with Marvel too, but not as much. And also, like you said, this is a very specific kind of time of year when it comes to this particular story. I mean, I would I, I was going to say, you know, since we touched up on it a little bit, if you do want to see something really, really wacky, go and read rocket raccoons origin story from way back when if you want something really crazy thing yourself wow these people won won heroin or something when they wrote this but it's it's actually it's actually really good fun if you want to see killer clowns from space literally and rockets with other anthropomorphic uh creatures definitely check that out because i think it will give you a it'll give you a fun time and you also wonder I think also hide you away from the terrible things that are going on in the world right now. So that's what I would suggest. So, of course, dear listeners, if you want to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, would like to take the plunge and join us on the show, you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Once again, that email is happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness, or follow us on Twitter, we're at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, feeling generous, check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. They will be able to put films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies, or even films which are inspired by comics like Road to Perdition or Death Note, or even films which inspired comics like the Terminator franchise or the Robocop franchise and more. Check all that out and uh, join our army. Head on over to patreon.com slash happiness in darkness. And I will also add, if you are listening to us on the Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever digital platform, we would definitely appreciate it if you rated and reviewed us because it definitely allows more people to discover this little podcast of ours and it keeps that algorithm happy and stimulated. So uh, when you're not here discussing uh, holiday specials, Keith, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Uh, unfortunately, I'm a, a ghost on the internet. You know, I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm always creeping around on our 
Facebook page or you can check me out, Keith Bliss. I'm in North Carolina. You can hit me up, friend request me, whatever. I'm always ready, willing, and able to talk about comic books, cartoons, anime, pretty much you name it. Fantastic. And uh, folks, when it comes to me, if you like country music, you can find me hosting the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes. We might play some Kevin Bacon next week. Who knows? Well, we play traditional country, today's country and everything else in between. More information, visit our website. That's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast wise, also check out Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast, where myself, Sam Sprouse and Rachel Friend are reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture from 1927's Wings to the present day. Next week, we'll be diving into 92 to, of course, uh, review Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood movie. And also, uh, if, you, if you're fans of Titans and or Doom Patrol, you can find myself and Charles Skaggs on Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where we're currently reviewing season four of Titans. And as of this month, of course, December, we will also be starting our review of Doom Patrol season four. And speaking of things to come on this show, next time we'll be taking on the 2010 Robert Schwentke film, Red. So, Keith, uh, as you suggested there, we, we tackle this particular movie. Any thoughts on this one before we sign off? I'm looking forward to this one. I always enjoy watching this movie. I've watched it many times. This is one of those, even though it's an action movie, it has a high rewatch value, at least to me. I know everybody's a little bit different, but I have enjoyed it. Uh, I know I don't believe you've seen it, correct? No, this will be our first watch for me. See, I, I find stuff that you've never seen, which is always entertaining. Exactly. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what I make of this, this movie indeed. So I guess we'll see what happens next week. That said, of course, folks, thanks as always for this show and supporting us. We will see you next time with Red. Until then, stay super. Ciao, my people. <laughs>